Welcome back to another episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan, joined as always by Will Schroeder, my friend, the founder and CEO of Startups.com. Will, we love to talk about big starts in the startup space, right? Lots of funding, crazy new product, fun, fun, fun. And yet, <laughs> we're getting to the other side of that spectrum now where we're seeing the, the end of that happy hype press cycle. How are a lot of those ending right now? It's obviously ending horribly, but what's funny is it always ends horribly. Like, again, not to be like yeah. negative, we happen to be, as we're recording this, this is like roughly Q2 of 2023. Yeah. And I always timestamp these because somebody may be listening three years from now and like, I don't know what these guys are talking about. Like everything seems to be <laughs> booming great. right now. And it's like, ah, you know, if you rewind back, you know, that that's what's happening. What happens is we get into this mode, particularly in the startup space, like we are known for this, where let's say you're on Twitter. And all of a sudden you see a big announcement, this next company, whatever it yep. is. And it always has kind of the same cadence. It's transformative product. It's going to be the killer of something. It just raised a ton it's always of money. Killing from, something. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Something's got to die. It's always got, you know, great investors, big funding rounds, huge valuations, and they're hiring like crazy and all these things. And in that moment, we always get the same impression that they've won. That that actually something you know fascinating has been done, and it's almost like I've again I've been at this for thirty years, so I've seen this hype cycle endlessly, and I'm kind of like, how many more times do we need to see this movie play out to know that these are all bullshit early indicators? Yeah, that, right. Like none of that means anything. Like show me the end of that story, not the beginning. When we want to hype it up, you know what I mean. Yeah, for sure. Look, I, and look, I don't, I don't have a problem with the hype, right? Like, there's a need for it. We want to be excited about stuff. That's cool, but it is misplaced, right? The yep. you know the idea that just because there's a lot of noise and a lot of dust in the beginning, like, well, yeah, look at the picture once the dust settles. Did anything change, or is it just a bunch of money that was invested and is now gone? Is the product still relevant? Generally, not, right? The bigger problem I have with all this is when you start to see founders react and get scared when they see this happening in the market. Yeah. Because it's a competitor or something like that. I don't know how many Always. times, man, in the last, and it, like, I'm not happy about it at all, but like in the last six months, a lot of our founders within startups.com have been coming and saying, hey, remember that that competitor we were talking about, you know, six months ago that I was really, really scared about? Yeah, well, they just, they're closing up shop, right? They're batting the hatches, right? And they were scared of them. Why? Because there was a bunch of press hype about them. They had always the same things, right? Oh, they had some innovative feature that, you know, that these guys hadn't thought of. And they're like, oh my God, this is what's going to kill us. Right. And so they start running scared. And now six months later, they're still around, right? They're still growing steadily, stably. And, you know, whatever the hype cycle was is now ridden off a cliff on that hype cycle. We have a bunch of different products at startups.com. We've got yeah. virtual.com. We've got fundable.com. We've got, right? Yep. We've we got all these different products. And because we have a lot of products, we by definition have lots of different competitors that are specific yep. to each of those areas. Now, one thing I think the listeners will think that's kind of interesting is unlike most businesses, that people tend to be in or any business that probably you and I have ever been in, we actually welcome competitors to an extent yep. because it usually means they're helping other founders. And so the, right. the net positive here is we're trying to help more founders. So that's generally a good thing, but they're also competitors. But what happens is over and over and over and over, it's the same cycle. Oh no, new company just got into our space. They just raised a bunch of money. They've got this yep. new angle on what we do that's so much yep. different and transformative than what we do now. And they're hiring like crazy. They've just added 200 people to something we may have five people assigned to, right? Yep. And 
it used to be, it used to be that I'd be like, oh shit, <laughs> I right. know we're screwed, right? Here comes the Came train and we can't yeah, get off the tracks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I can't imagine how many nights of sleep I've lost <laughs> over my own, my own being duped, yep. thinking, oh my God, we're so screwed because company yep. came out and did X. And then time and time and time again, those companies are long since gone and we're still around. That's By the it. way, not because we're so special, but because just because they launched, just because they did that big thing, yep. didn't give them the title to, pardon my French, fucking anything. You yeah. actually have to win. <laughs> you can't just show yep. up big. You right. also have to see the rest of it where you actually win in your round long enough. And Ryan, now we're seeing the tail end of that entire cycle call it 2020-ish when uh, COVID started, which also oddly had the bizarre effect of creating lots of new funded companies, you had a massive swing of all of these new companies and the whole hype cycle. You know, I read tech meme every day. Uh, every day, it's, it's one of the first things I look at in the morning. I just want to get a feel for like, like, what's the overall feeling zeitgeist, if you will, of tech. And you can see it. 2020, what was the hype cycle, man? Crypto everything. Everything yep. was going to be blockchain. Yep. It's all going right? to change. Yep. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 One, yeah. She sure is. Quite, sure sure like, is. Quite Everything's like blockchain expected. now. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> Still a problem running around uh, looking for a solution. Exactly. In my point is we get hung up as founders. And I think you know this episode's dedicated to founders looking at the hype cycle, probably looking down the barrel of that yet newly yep. funded competitors, although yep. right around now, no one's Comparing getting funded. themselves uselessly <laughs> to, to these other folks. Yep. As if the start is how you finish. Yeah. As if the start is how you finish. You know, it, right? it's always funny because it always brings something very specific to mind. I have a couple of friends that you probably know, know some of them and you probably have some friends like this too. Probably everyone does. That one friend who anytime there's a new enthusiast sport shows up with all the gear, right? Like yeah. they love to go out. They <laughs> buy all the shit. They come fully dressed and ready to go. They've got yep. every possible accoutrement for whatever this thing is. Yep. And then they're just god awful at it because they're just starting and you wouldn't expect any different. <laughs> and yet when we see startups show up with all the bells, whistles, funding, team, advisors, all that shit, they show up and we're like, oh my God, these this is these are the world enders. They're the ones that's gonna put us under. They're, they're gonna kill the market. Right? Yep. We have to remember, they're just showed up, right? What they have now is an opportunity, nothing more, right? And most of those right. fall flat because of the nature of what we do. There's a flip side to this too. When we were just talking a moment ago, I said this is kind of for the founders who are looking down the barrel of a gun of the newly funded yep. betters. I'm going to amend that. This is just as much for those people that got new funding. In yep, other sure. words, where they're caught up, you know, in their own yep. hype. It's like, hey, man, you actually have to be successful with this. Raising the yep. money. It's not easy. It's hard to raise money. And very few people do it. But that's just the ticket to get yep. started. You That's actually it. have to see the rest of this through. And no amount of hype is going to actually get you there. I'll give you some recent examples or give the audience some recent examples. In this last hype cycle, just a few that, that come to mind. Remember Clubhouse? Now, I open up with remember Maybe. Clubhouse. Remember yep. Clubhouse. Dude, that was two years ago. That yeah. wasn't like eons ago. I'm not I know, my I know, right? Here. Yeah. Right? That was and two was, years it was, ago. It was this the game changer. Everybody was going to be on Clubhouse. And for like eight seconds, everybody was. 
and they hit a $4 billion valuation. And yep. all of a sudden, everyone was trying to figure out how they were going to create their clubhouse competitor. Slack was doing it. Again, <laughs> yeah. This wasn't right. that long ago. This was know, five man. seconds ago in startup Which, time. So, but hold on that point for a second, right? So even big brands fall into this trap, right? So even somebody as, as big and as point. Slack is looking at that going, oh my God, clubhouse is here. They're going to kill us, right? You can just talk instead of having to type everything. Well, yep. That's going to end it. Right. And yet it's gone. Right. And Slack, I'm mean, curious to know, right? Like how much time did they waste on building a version of that product? Right. Along with yeah. everybody else who thought they needed a clubhouse. Correct. And that's my point. And so at that moment, at that moment, everyone thinks, oh, shit, this is it. Right now, on the flip side, the people at Clubhouse, the founders of Clubhouse are thinking the same thing. Yep. They're like, damn, we found lightning in a bottle. Right. The investors are like, oh, my God, four billion dollar valuation. And what was like 18 months since they started insane. But is it right. every now and again, one of these sneaks by every now and again, you wind up with a WhatsApp, you know, something that just kind of yep. came out of nowhere and just took over. Right. Every now and again, you get an Instagram every now and again, you get a Facebook. You know, a lot of people forget. But there was a moment where Facebook was on the block to be sold to Yahoo yeah. for one billion dollars. And when Mark right. Zuckerberg turned it down, we talked about this the other oh, episode, man. he was considered Heresy. insane. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and, and at the time. So every now and again, one of these does sneak by. Right. So don't get me wrong. But 99.9% .9 of the yeah. time, <laughs> it's That's total right. bullshit. Yeah. And we buy it every single time. That's every it. time, we're like, oh man, uh, big funding round. The they're one. scaling yep. like crazy. They're, do it. they're armed to do it, right? They've got some of the characteristics that will make it possible, right? It doesn't sure. make it probable, it just makes it possible. Right. Well, I was thinking about like this last hype cycle we went through. Was it being run by the little rascals because we had Clubhouse, we had scooters like Bird? Like there, there may have been something there, right? Like maybe that maybe that was the problem is that we were aiming for like the eight to twelve year old set. Like what would they like? Clubhouses and scooters, fantastic. Right. Let's fund it. Right. That ended well. Well, like so, take Bird. So yep. Bird comes around. Scooter generation. This was right before COVID, and COVID kind of blew them up. But yeah, who's to say the model was going to uh, work anyway? But again, Travis from Bird ends up getting a a two billion dollar valuation. And if I remember correctly, I think he took like forty million dollars off the table, which is probably the smartest thing he ever did. Really, that isn't all. that about what the company's worth at this point? Yes, actually. That's their market cap Oof. right now. You can buy the whole thing back. But the point is, we see these, these ludicrous valuations and these funding rounds and everything else like that. And we're like, oh my God, this company nailed it. Well, if you've been around long enough and you've followed startups the way you and I have for long enough, you can see through this every single time. It's like, oh my God. You know, let's pick off the pieces. Let's talk about the different sure. pieces that keep sure. arising so we kind of know what to look for, right? Let's dissect it a bit. Which one comes to mind first for you? The one that kind of everybody looks at, right? Just because it's easy, it's big, and everybody makes a lot of noise. It's funding, right? When funding happens, like I think that's the easiest one to pick on. I was going to reference tech meme. And it, for those of you that don't know what it is, or it's just, it's just a news aggregation site. It's just been around forever. And for some reason, I've become used to reading it. But it's pretty good. It's pretty accurate. And I was looking at it this morning, and I actually said something to Sarah, my wife. I was like, you know what's missing today from tech meme? A single funding announcement. A single funding announcement. Yeah, that's that's bizarre. That's exactly where all those announcements go. But that's here and there. First thing that happens is... Oh my God, this company raised often recently at this unicorn valuation, right? Big round, big valuation. And everyone is like, they're killing it. Are they? Are you sure? 
because we get to see the other side of these stories. We actually get to talk to the founders behind those funding rounds and they're never killing it. They're never killing it. And there might be a couple here or there where, you know, things take off. It becomes a Figma, which ironically is always in the background anyway. Nobody's ever talking about it. Those companies are just busy (laughs) actually building. quiet, actually building a good business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the ones that won't shut up on Twitter that you really got to start wondering about. Or we (laughs) talked about this a few episodes ago, the self-congratulatory year-end reviews, right? When we were talking, I think, about being... um, Kickstarter. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like when things are going great, they can't wait to talk about their year review. And all of a sudden, those year reviews are the first casualties uh, over time. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Once the funding's gone, right, and the novelty is worn off of your your cool new product, which stays cool for about eight minutes, then it's down to just running a business, which it turns out is quite <laughs> hard to that. do. Really easy to like set off fireworks and toot your horn around funding a new product. A lot harder to make it work in the market, right? Yeah. And, and I think w- with the funding round, you get a bunch of false positives. Okay. Yeah, so, sure. so let's stack them up. First false positive you get is that I guess investors said yes. So there must be something there. <laughs> Bullshit. Okay. Yep. Investors make so many mistakes. They make so many bad decisions on so many deals. And the truth is if you're around long enough, right. And you invest in enough deals, you will eventually hit on something yep. that doesn't make you an Oracle. If I buy 20 stocks and one of them takes off, it doesn't make me Warren no. Buffett. No, right? it makes you the same 5% winner that everyone else is. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, And even within venture returns, if you really want to get a little bit granular here to talk about how you should not look at investors putting money behind things as like a golden seal, within venture returns, especially now, geez, the top quartile gets all the returns. Everyone else gets jack shit. Yep. Right? Yep, exactly. Which means even among investors, the people who write these checks, they tend to be exponentially wrong. Yep. The returns go to a small select few and they're always the same names. It's always Sequoia. You know, it's always the same people. Yep. Point is, when we look at, hey, they raised a big funding round as early victory. Ah, Dreesen put money into them. So, you know, they must be doing well. It's a better sign. Don't get me wrong. Like yeah. it's better than nothing, but it is hardly a victory. It's no. at best like a good push off the starting blocks. But now here's what happens, man. All of a sudden, we got a bunch of jacks. So what do we do? We do marketing, right? We do hiring. Oh, hiring. Yep. Our staffing line is growing. Like, what a crazy brag that one is, right? And I know we've beat this up in other episodes, so I won't belabor it here. But like, when people come and start telling me, like, oh yeah, you know, we're on a hiring frenzy right now. It's like, oh, you're trying to get over your toes and with overheads. And they're like, that's not what I said. It's like, yeah, but that's what I Are heard. Are you in a revenue that's what's frenzy? About to happen. That would be yeah. cool. <laughs> <Right>? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody ever talks about the revenue frenzy. Like, we're just making yeah, so yeah. much money we don't have to do with. Like, we're hiring so many people. We don't have desks for all of them. Wait, you still have desks and you're hiring people? Yeah. Okay. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a great anti-story. I'm just going to throw this one out there. It's, it's, it's a little bit of an aside, but I just love this one. You might remember. Do you remember GoFundMe? Yeah. Right. Okay. So I bring this up because I've never met the founders. I've heard about them from some people who've worked with them in in different capacities. I've heard they're excellent surfers. I'm not even, I'm not even jesting. I've heard this. Exactly. That's why I've consistently heard about them. You know, something that's really funny about everything we talk about here is that none of it is new. Everything you're dealing with right now has been done a thousand times before you, which means the answer already exists. You may just not know it, but that's okay. 
That's kind of what we're here to do. We talk about this stuff on the show, but we actually solve these problems all day long at groups.startups.com. So if any of this sounds familiar, stop guessing about what to do. Let us just give you the answers to the test and be done with it. The reason I'm bringing this up is because we were kind of part of this circle at the time. This was crowdfunding in its infancy, circa 2012. We had launched Fundable. That's the era of Kickstarter. That was the, all these things, right? And everybody's raising tons of money. And if, I remember at one time, we had actually 30 legitimate competitors, many of whom were funded, many of whom were already claiming their early victories, right? Because of who they raised from or what they had done. Hang on, Will. One of them's calling me. Oh, no, that's, that's definitely not them because they're no longer around. <laughs> They're all gone. But the point is, while all this is happening, you've got GoFundMe, who's got this janky looking site that has raised no money. That's just a bunch of dudes in San Diego, I think, you know, just trying to like pull stuff together. Yep. And they wind up winning. A lot of people don't know this. GoFundMe won, right? If you're wondering whatever happened to crowdfunding and like, I guess Kickstarter won. No, they didn't. Kickstarter became like a $20 million company, which nothing wrong with, right? But they never became the company people thought. Meanwhile, (laughs) meanwhile, GoFundMe, this company that made zero announcements was totally under the radar, sold without raising any money for $600 million. (laughs) Just like 20 people in a room. It was amazing. And what I'm saying is like the story you hear where kind of like Figma and Figma raised a bunch of money, but you know, no one's making the big announcements, et cetera. They're just in the weeds building stuff. Those are the ones that I'm more, you know, more behind. Yeah. You know, Kickstarter was like, look at these beautiful raises we have. Look at these amazing products we've got. Look at how, you know, sleek the funding profiles are for this, uh, you know, amazing new uh, technological marvel of a watch. Meanwhile, GoFundMe was like, uh, yeah, we're funding uh, pet surgeries and bailouts for people who spent too much money on vacation. And they were crushing it, right? There was nothing newsworthy about them, but they were printing money because everybody was using it, right? They were building a real business. That's really what it came down to. That early false positive of, oh my God, Kickstarter, hype, 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 hype. That must mean they're doing well. And it's like, dude, how many times do we have to live through these ridiculous hype cycles to realize it's all bullshit? It's all bullshit. And like, you would think that by now, there would be like this anti-sentiment that would have gotten built, the scar tissue, if you will, of pundits and investors and founders that have had the wool pulled over their eyes so many times with these insane announcements that they'd be like, dude, it's not cool anymore. You know, I I think it has happened. I mean, it certainly has happened to some degree. Like you and I look at these things now and just go, "Uh uh-huh, sure. Yeah. Call me in a year. Call me in two years. Call me in three years. Let's see how it's going. And I think that even a lot of other founders pick up on that piece of the narrative, right? And I think as long as this isn't a direct competitor, I think you can objectively look at that and go, yeah, okay, cool. Like they raised some money. Now they've got a whole bunch of hard work to do. I think when it's in your space, it's a very, very different sentiment. All of a sudden, I think everybody has to go through that at least once as a founder before they really understand that like, okay, no, we can still be okay. Right. Because, you know, you can look at it objectively when it's, you know, somebody in a completely different space and you can say, you know, okay, they've raised money. They've got a bunch of stuff to go do. How does this apply to to me? It doesn't. Right. But when it's somebody who's building a very similar widget to your widget, all of a sudden this becomes something very different. And all of that objective knowledge goes out the window and you're just like, fuck, they're going to kill us. Right. Like there's nothing you can do about it. Right. It's just, that's it. It's the only thing going through your mind at that point. So when that barrel swings around and is pointed directly at you in your mind, because that, that competitor is probably not even thinking of you said differently, if they are thinking of you, they're thinking, ha, we're going to waste those guys because we just got funded, right? Again, 
calls in a year, calls in two years, calls in three years. Yeah, every time. Or, or this new company comes out and they've got this totally transformative product, right? They've got this, this <laughs> new, the new hotness, whatever oh, that man. is. Super innovation. Yep. Look, we just lived an entire era of it through crypto, which, which might have been almost the most overhyped, like ridiculously promoted, you know, charlatan-esque industry we have yet to have. I mean, it's set next level. Paris Hilton was minting coins. I'm what the fuck, right? Like it was, it was, it was bananas. Now don't get me wrong. I love, and I know you do love transformative products. I love new technology. Crypto has created a lot of actually useful things sort of, but the hype cycle, let's rewind back all the way back to 2020. Not long ago, right? That's the whole point. We're in 2023 when we record this. Yeah, we're, we're not going back very far back in history. Time machine is very limited. And we go back to the beginning of the crypto hype cycle. And I'm just using, I'm not really picking on crypto necessarily as much as I'm trying to point out, dude, this keeps happening. And we keep pretending like it's never happened before. And every time we keep thinking, oh, like right now it's AI. And AI is really interesting, Right. Dude, give it a minute. Let it actually perform and stop buying the hype right away. So anyway, go back to crypto. Well, I think there's something interesting about crypto, though. I want to stick on this for just a second because it was a bit different than some of the other hype cycles because it was a hype cycle that lots of people could participate in, whether they understood it or not. And I think that was something that was a bit different and a bit interesting in this case. You know, there was a hype cycle around the internet. That one stuck, right? That turned out to be, that that worked. That's still working. We're, we're using that. But there's a lot of other things where, you know, there's a hype cycle around it. It comes, it kind of has its day or even doesn't, and then just disappears. But in the case of crypto, it was one of those things where there was a massive hype cycle and then lots of tiny doors opened up for people to walk in and really, you know, participate, not necessarily positively in the hype cycle. Well, sure. It was a giant Ponzi scheme for a lot of it. Not all of crypto. I'm not going to label all of crypto as a Ponzi scheme. But my, my bigger point was at the moment, at 2020, you could start taking all of these early signals, which is exactly what we're warning against. We could take all these early signals for fact. Okay. You could say the smartest minds are writing about crypto right now. And by way of that, that must mean there's something there. No, it doesn't. Just means they're writing about it. It just means they're writing about it, right? Settle down, right? Second up, you could say, oh my God, the smartest investors, you know, Andreessen's putting together a huge crypto fund. They're pouring money into it. It must be legit. These companies are taking on billions. It must be legit. No, it isn't. It just means people put money into something, right? Just because companies raise money does not mean it actually worked. It just means they put money into it. How many times do we have to watch this happen? So the next thing is we get this this idea that this is novel. It's transformative. Everything should be on the blockchain. Uh, banks are bad. We have to disarm me. I don't know. My bank works fine. I put my credit card in, works fine. But there's fees. Yeah, who cares? My point is... <laughs> There was a point in time, man, where like I just started refusing to review pitch decks that had anything to do with crypto because it was almost always just some weird edge case for how to cram blockchain in somewhere it didn't belong just because it hadn't been there yet. And this would be the thing that would finally give it a home. 
please no, I cannot. I just can't. Right. We're starting to see that in AI now. Like yep. everything has to have AI. It's like, not, <laughs> yeah. not really, not, not really. My toaster um, those, does not need AI. Like, yeah. Or, or guess what? Those are just business rules. They've been around forever. There's nothing AI about that, right? It's going to determine whether you want a blue shoe or a red shoe. Yeah, we've had those product recommendations literally forever. That's not new. Anyway, the idea that the the product is novel and therefore transformative and transformative equals it's going to win? No. Guess what? Transformative means it's really hard to find out whether or not it's going to get product market fit. Clubhouse, right? Yes, it's transformative. It's an audio social network that didn't exist before. Guess what? Maybe we don't want one. Yeah, turns <laughs> out. But it turns out, looks like we don't. I talk about this a lot. I talk about this a lot because people love to get caught up, right? And there's two major points here. One, fall in love with your problem and the people that you want to solve it for, not your solution. Because when you start to fall in love with your solution, then you get totally caught up in that aspect of it, right? You get so convinced and so excited about the solution, right? The thing just doesn't go anywhere right? You end up with like the fact that it's it's so transformative. It's so novel. It's so new to the point where nobody's going to adopt it. I'm always telling people the best innovations that have come along in the last, as long as I can tell you, have been micro innovations. It's a small twist on something we already know how to do because behavioral change is probably the hardest thing to enforce in your new user base. So the less behavioral change they have to undergo, the better, right? Uber didn't start shooting people, you know, through an extruder and and turn and liquefying them and spraying them to their new destination, right? That would have been super innovative. Probably would have killed everybody too, but hold that aside <laughs> for a second. What they did was barely twist an existing model. They said taxis suck and they're hard to book, and they're just like a bad experience. Let's make that a little bit better, right? They didn't look with something entirely novel, slight twist on a model, and that worked. We're all for innovation, obviously, but the point is just because it's different, just because it's, it's transformative or you know what have you, doesn't mean you won anything. It just means you try to convince a whole bunch of people that that's actually worth converting over to, right? Going back to this, you know, the neo banks and all these new types of banks and how crypto and blockchain was, were gonna transform banking. Not a lot of people want to transform their banking experience. A lot of people are like, that seems super complicated. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I like mine where it just works all the time. Right. But it's immutable. And I'm like, I don't think that's, no. Didn't, no. didn't really have that problem. Thanks for solving it. But then you also look at, hey, this company is new and novel, and therefore it's going to kill the incumbent, right? The, the early victory, okay? Right now, and again, I, I want to use this because it's so pertinent and timely. Right now, we're saying ChatGPT, OpenAI, they're coming and they're going to eat Google's lunch. You know, Google's screwed, Google's on the defensive, et cetera. Maybe, probably not. Just to be clear, you know how long it would take to completely change people's search behavior? I just checked. Google's still there. there it's still yeah. functioning. <laughs> Google's still there. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm sure it will It will change some version of searches or how people do searches or et cetera. I'm not saying it has no impact. But when people get so over their toes with their beliefs that just because something's new, that it magically, magically changes everyone's behavior. Now, whether you're the founder who just raised money or launched this product and you think that's true, or you're the competitor, you know, the Google, the incumbent that's about to get changed, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. It takes a long, long, long time to make those changes. And more often than not, they never actually get made. Do you remember that Yahoo has not been relevant as a business for like, 25 years. <laughs> Yahoo started, it wasn't even a search engine. It was literally a, a list of links, right? And that was kind of their height. 
I mean, if you really think about like Yahoo is the true product, right? But that thing could not die. Yahoo is still around. Still around. <laughs> still around. Yeah. It's unbelievable how hard it is to, to truly kill something of that magnitude in scale. Not saying it can't be done, but the whole idea that we have a transformative product and therefore we've won is bullshit. It's bullshit time and time again. I can't even believe we're still like hung up and distracted by this is my point. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and again, like it's, I think it's because everybody's trying to look through that crystal ball, right? They want to be able to say, you know, I saw that coming. I saw, you know, like I've had so many of these opportunities and uh, I've been wrong as often as right. I still, to this day, remember a conversation in my college living room. Folks that lived upstairs from me were older and had grown-up jobs while I was building my startup company. And he came down all like jacked up one day. He was a systems admin for a fairly large company, really into tech, like super nerdy guy like me. And so we just would always nerd out on stuff. And he came and was like, yeah, there's this new technology that I'm really interested in investing in. It's still, it's not public yet, but it's this really cool thing. And then he went on to explain this like short range wireless technology. And I'm just like, I just really don't see the purpose and point all this had a really weird name, Bluetooth. I'm just like, I, you know, I don't know, man, maybe, maybe that'll stick. Right. Couldn't see it. Right. Didn't see it. And yet then there were all of these other things that you see and you're like, that's cool. Right. You brought up a great one, which I thought was hysterical in the segue. Right. Yeah. Remember that yep. thing? Yep. Do you remember what their pitch deck should have said? We make mall cops 10% taller and 400% faster, right? Well, okay, but, but that gives you this whole concept of this, this idea of early praise. When something gets so much early praise, uh, you know, let's stick with Segway. Okay, so here's what happens. For those that don't even remember Segway, it makes this example even better, actually. <laughs> so in like in 2001, the Segway personal transporter was launched by Dean Kamen, a genius inventor, right? Actually, if you ever get, you get an opportunity Opportunity to read his backstory. He is fascinating. Dean Kamen, K-A-M-E-N. If I remember off the top of my head, I think he created something for uh, that he sold to Baxter for like a billion dollars or something like that device. And then he started Segway and got all the top of the top investors, like the actual who's who of all of tech. Fun side note, he also bought his own like Dr. Evil Island. I think somewhere off like the coast of Massachusetts or the Northeast or something like that. He had created a mutual non-aggression pact with the U.S. <laughs> he has his own currency. I mean, it is awesome. Right? It's everything so, you want, right? Yes. So, uh, so, so this guy is awesome, right? For, for those reasons alone. Segway comes out. And essentially, the first incarnation, again, for those that don't remember, was this idea of a, a two-wheeled scooter that you could stand on, lean forward, and it would transport itself way ahead of its time. I mean, like, the technology was absolutely fascinating. It had maybe the biggest hype cycle launch of all time. When the Segway dropped, it was in every single news outlet there was. This was before social media. So that's when like news outlets actually mattered. And the hype and praise was unlike anything I'd ever seen. Bill Gates, John Doerr, Steve Jobs said, and I quote, in the future, cities will be designed around this device. Hmm. How much more hypey do you get? And especially coming from somebody like that, too, where, you know, people are going to listen, right? This is a guy who is a known futurist, right? So, yes, right? Uh, he, he tends God. to make good predictions, okay? So, in that moment, in that moment, Dean came in Segway as a whole, have conquered. They have won. They have a device that's so transformative. They have a device that has every backer you could possibly fathom. Basically saying, we're going to design cities around this product. It is so good. Okay. 
How many of you in the audience own a Segway and travel around the city in it? Oh, Here's what I'm saying. The only yep. way you're traveling around <laughs> any city in a Segway, if you're the nerdiest family in that city and you're in Santa Monica and you're deciding to do a Segway tour. Segway <laughs> tours. Holy time. Oh. Or you're a mall cop or you work at an airport. Now, truth be told, I actually looked this up because I had to know. I didn't want to be like that wrong about this. Segway says they sold 500,000 Segways last year, which is a lot. But it's because they're essentially scooters now, right? Like my kids have one. It's the same self-balancing thing that like a million other people have right now. And it's cool enough. But at the time, people are literally picturing entire cities of everyone segueing everywhere all the Everybody time. Everybody just leaning 22 and a half degrees forward, heading off into life, right? Buddy, and, and, <laughs> and everyone was like, oh my God, this is the future. People believed the hype because Steve Jobs said it, because Bill Gates said it, because John Dorsey said it. This is the smartest people on the planet at the time, right? Like literally the smartest people were saying, yes, this is it. The current version of that today is hilarious. It's for me, it's Twitter because I, you know, I tend to use Twitter as my social network. And it's every time something launches, 500 retweets of, oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever. This company's crushed it. They've nailed it, et cetera. And every time I'm like, oh my God, kill me. Right. I'm like, this company hasn't done anything. There's a city that is designed officially when New York City is now nothing but Segway traffic first. I'm on board, man. You got me. Oh, sadly, there's such a horrible real life metaphor here for exactly what happened to Segway. And it's a sad story that's also just brutally funny in irony, which is that when the company was bought by Jimmy Heseldon, right, the, he, he bought Segway Inc., and then famously took a Segway off a cliff, literally, and died. Yeah, the guy bought Segway and then drove a Segway off a cliff and <laughs> died of his injuries, which I mean is unbelievable, tragic. Unbelievable. But like that pretty much sums up the way <laughs> the way this thing went, right? Yeah, you, you could. Yeah, you know, reality being tr truer than fiction. I think that for most of us, we look at these you know, again these these early victories and these hype cycles and funding rounds, and and we we believe them. That's the problem. The problem is we have so much history to tell us it's bullshit. And yet every day we wake up and pretend like this must be it. It reminds me of things like diet fads. Theoretically, shouldn't we have solved dieting like 30, 40 years ago because there was a miracle diet, whether it was Adkins, South Beach, like you name it? We did solve dieting. We solved it. We figured it out. Uh, it just turns out you have to eat less and then you output. Yeah, the formula is there. The problem that we haven't fixed is humanity. Correct. Right. And I guess what I'm saying is no matter how many times we go through this cycle, no matter how many times we're staring at down the barrel of a competitor's gun, or again, the flip side, we are that new competitor. And we're so cocksure that this is going to be exactly right. The thing that's going to kill the next thing. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to have a crazy proposal in the startup world. How about some humility? Yeah, what? a little bit. A little bit would go a long way. How about somebody launches with something that says, hey, you know what? I think this could be great. We're going to work really hard on it. We'll let you know when that city gets built. That's designed, <laughs> designed for the segue. But until then, we're going to kind of like go heads down and actually go do it versus talking about it. Make sure it's a really, really flat city with no cliffs. Right? <laughs> Just, Jesus, that's dark. <laughs> no, but, but seriously, like I personally feel 
that like, well, I get the hype cycle and look, if you, if you can get some press, if you can get some early customers, you know, if you, if you can use it to your advantage, sure, use it to your advantage. But as the recipient of the hype cycle to the rest of us that are sitting around listening to these insane stories day in and day out, I'm saying, let's step back, man. Let's stop buying the hype and let's just, let's have one refrain every time. Show me what you actually did. <laughs> Call me when you actually win the race. Don't celebrate the fact that you started the race. Nobody <laughs> can start the race. Call me when you finish. So in addition to all the stuff related to founder groups, you've also got full access to everything on startups.com. That includes all of our education tracks, which will be funding, customer acquisition, even how to manage your monthly financers. There's so much stuff in there. All of our software, including BizPlan for putting together detailed business plans and financials, LaunchRock for attracting early customers, and of course, Fundable for attracting investment capital. When you log into the startups.com site, you'll find all of these resources available.